Hello and welcome to episode seven of Soft Drink Purchasing for Restaurant Chains. I'm your host, Ben Kate. Thanks so much for listening. Today, we're going to talk about the volume commitment in your beverage agreement. Should you do it? Should you not do it? What if it's already in there? Is it a good idea? So let's dive right in. Your draft beverage contract comes in with language that defines the term of the agreement as the latter of a date or when you've purchased a certain volume of the product. Should you strike that language and fight for a time-only term or just leave it in there? When should you fight a volume-based term and when should you allow it? The answers lie in your beverage supplier's view of your beverage deal. When my firm analyzes a beverage contract, we look at it from the point of view of the beverage company. We use their economics, their equipment costs, their depreciation schedule, and their volume assumptions. That last piece, the volume assumptions, is an important number that drives the ultimate economics of the deal. The cost of a deal to the beverage company depends on how much they're spending versus how much revenue the deal will generate over the life of the contract. They allocate fixed costs, such as equipment, service, overhead, over the total volume you'll purchase during the term. If they can fix that total volume by getting you to agree to a volume commitment, it makes the picture of their total cost and profit really predictable for them. So that's why they want the volume commitment. But why do you want it? Well, in general, you don't. There are three big reasons why you don't want it. Number one, it makes it very unpredictable for you about what the term is actually going to be. I've seen contracts stretch from 10-year deals to twice and even three times that long because of ill-conceived volume commitments. I've even seen 10-year volume-based contracts stretch to a projected 30 years. And while three times the projected time limit is quite unusual, it's very common to see two to five years of extra time on a volume commitment-based contract. In other words, if you have a five-year contract, it would go seven, eight, nine years. This is the norm. It's not the exception. And it can be avoided. This unwanted elongation happens because restaurant chains divest outlets, close restaurants, they focus on tea or coffee or these days water instead of soft drinks, or they just plain never had the ability to purchase as much as the beverage company said they might. That's most often the case. Second reason, carbonated soft drink consumption is declining. Carbonated soft drinks are still a huge part of your mix, the soft drink companies are right. Don't ignore their importance to your profit story. But let's understand the facts. Ten years ago, eight out of ten beverages sold in the United States were carbonated soft drinks. Today, that number is somewhere between five and five and a half out of ten. That's a significant drop in share. More than 25 share points lost in ten years. According to Fortune magazine, U.S. carbonated soft drink volume has shed 1.4 billion cases of sales over the last decade. That's 33.6 billion servings gone in that period of time. Because of this, a contract that is dependent on carbonated soft drinks will end up stretching the time it takes to fulfill the commitment. Well, the answer is to avoid the commitment and stick to a time-bound contract. 
That makes it predictable. Third reason, there's no benefit to you. There is no benefit to you of signing a volume commitment. Why would you do it? All volume commitments I have seen have a time or volume component, whichever is later. So even if you grow fast enough to beat the volume commitment, the time-bound portion of the contract will keep you in the contract until the time expires anyway. In general, there's no good reason to allow a volume commitment into your contract. Now, there is an exception to this rule. If one of your goals is to bring a significant sum of money forward to the beginning of the beverage contract so that you can achieve some larger initiative, then maybe you can consider the volume commitment. And by that I mean, if you've got some strategic initiative that you're trying to accomplish, like pay for new menu boards or new digital boards or new drive-through boards or remodel your restaurants and you need the money from Coke or Pepsi, if you're trying to do that with your soft drink contract, then might be wise to consider the volume commitment. But understand that you are, in effect, taking a loan from your beverage partner. They, in turn, expect you to pay back that loan through your purchases of their products. In this case, your volume commitment acts as a promissory note. You're not likely to get that loan without it. My advice to you would be to get a loan elsewhere if you can. When the volume commitment stretches your contract past the due date, you'll have limited ability to negotiate a new deal. The price increases over the life of the current contract will have made the existing contract unfavorable versus the rest of the industry standards by then. The bottom line here is, don't sign a volume-based term. It makes things very predictable for your soft drink supplier, but very unpredictable for you. As always, if you need help negotiating a beverage contract, or if you'd like a free benchmarking, get in touch with BevTrust. We're at BevTrust.com on the web. Thanks very much for listening.